It's the 11th of November, 2015. As the pastor said, Pastor Eric, it is, in, it is titled Root Upheaval. And I want to talk about roots tonight because there's such a lot, of, there's, a, there's a big significance when you talk about roots. Roots are, can be small, they can be big, trees can be huge. Trees can be so big that you could wrap 20 men around them. Can you imagine the root system on a tree that big? It is almost impossible to uproot something that size. If you've ever tried, you've seen these big trucks cruising down the highway and they got these trees. It, it is a job. It's a job not only to pull the tree out, but it's a job to pull the whole system of roots that lies underneath this thing. They can cause a lot of damage. If you had, ever had a tree next to a driveway or a swimming pool or even out in the street, you'll notice, you know, one year you'll come out and uh, it's there, and then the next year it's roots sticking out a little bit. Maybe, maybe the third year it's starting to buckle your driveway, and now you've got a huge fault running right down your driveway. These, these trees are pretty destructive. Yeah. Roots are not good, and they're not bad. They, they have positive and negative. The roots that... Um, that we sometimes need to let go of, the roots that we need to dig up in our lives, this is what I want to discuss tonight. We have, we have things in our lives, and this, everything that I'm preaching right now, it includes me too. So do not feel like I'm only talking to you. I'm involved just as much as you are. We have things that we need to remove. We have things that are pressing us down. We have things that are blocking us from being able to see what the Lord's will for our lives is. And that makes it very difficult to be able to follow, and it also makes it difficult to be able to hear God saying, go. So the question is, how do we do this? Can we please uh, put up Genesis 12, 1 through 2? The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This is what the Lord's command was to Abram, and I don't think that it was meant as a suggestion or an idea for Abram. I think that when the Lord spoke it, he meant get up and leave. And so Abraham obeyed him. Some of the different versions of, of Bible, NIV says go from your country, uh, NASB go forth, uh, New Living Translation leave, the complete Jewish Bible says, get yourself out of your country. It's a little bit more stern. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Serbian version says something similar. It's more more to the likes of just vanish from here, like, like you never existed in this place. And so, so when God speaks that way, I think it's pretty clear that he, did not, uh, he wasn't messing around. So Abraham leaves. He takes off. He obeys, of course. He uproots his entire family. So now he picks up from a place that he's lived for 75 years. This is 75 when he's about to leave uh, this area. So he's been around for a long time. He has established, he has been settled there for some time. He picks up and takes off, okay? In Genesis 12, 4, it says, he went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And he went knowing some things, and he went not knowing most things. So he went purely in faith, just about, he trusted what the Lord said was right, that he knew what he was doing, and so he took off. And uh, while we're talking about 
faith here early in this message. Uh, the, uh, the 3C Church in Romania, their, their motto or slogan is, faith has no plan B. And so faith is just faith, and then there's nothing else you can, nowhere else you go. Uh, I have a, a quote from an author. Her name is Beryl Markham. Beryl Markham was the uh, first woman to cross the Atlantic in an airplane by herself. And she wrote a book, and in the book, here's an excerpt, it says, I've learned that if you must leave a place that you have lived in and loved, and where all your yesteryears are buried deep, Leave it any way except a slow way. Leave it the fastest way you can. Never turn back, never believe that an hour you remember is, is a better hour because it is dead. Wow. She went through, obviously, a lot of turmoil. She went through uh, from place to place, and it seemed like the place before was always worse than the one before that. And so, uh, but that quote kind of makes sense. It's not a, any kind of a religious publication, just out of a book. It's out of a novel. And... Uh, but it does make sense. I mean, if you're going to move forward in the name of Jesus, if you're going to go forward, then let's not be looking back too far. Let's not be getting hung up with stuff that is behind us. The reason that God is sending us is because he wants us to go that way. So let's follow him. Back when uh, I was coming up uh, in South Africa, I spent the first uh, almost 14 years of my life in South Africa. And, I mean, if you, if you want to talk about a country that is, that is perfect for kids, I mean, the outdoors, there's nothing like it. Mountains, forests, I mean, you've got any kind of biosphere you can imagine. And so at the age of almost 14, Dada, he uh, decides that we're leaving. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, what do you mean we're leaving? I've got all my friends, I've got everything here, what do you mean? We're leaving. So he takes the whole family and we go to Canada. So we've gone from, you know, sunny, nice, warm South Africa to icy, cold, snowy winter Toronto, Canada. That was hard. And we did that time and time again until we got here. This is the last place that, uh, that I've lived for, for the longest uh, period of time in my life. But the, but the upheaval of those roots, it's, it's hard. It hurts. It's painful. But it's something that we have to do. It is something that we have to do. If we're going to be obedient, then we have to learn how to do that. And every time the Lord instructs us, and every time we have to pull those roots out, we'll understand it a little bit better, and it may not hurt as much if we're obedient. Amen. So in early 2013, on a, on a personal side again, when we left our previous fellowship, th that was a, a dramatic pulling up of roots in itself. We had been established there for over 20 years. And, um, but the Lord said, go. And it, it, was, uh, it was a little bit panicky in the beginning because we were uh, trying to figure out what the command was exactly. But it became very clear very quickly once we experienced LCMF that it was a, it was a legitimate command and that we needed to go. When we took off, um, this family here made that whole process pretty easy. So getting here and enjoying all of you made it very easy. You know, you got to take the first step. You got to get out there and you got to step in. I mean, if, if, if the Lord is commanding you to do something, you know, yeah, the Lord has told me to do this, but I'm going to just wait and, and let him make it happen. And I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. 
uh, you'll find that the Lord is going to expect you to take steps, and then he will make the miracle happen. And many in here know what I'm talking about, some don't. But if you step out for the Lord, he will be right, right there with you. Could we please put Joshua 3.13 up? And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So which came first, the, the water separation or stepping in? Stepping in. So you got you to step in. You got to get in the water. They step in the water, the water separates, they carry the ark across the Jordan and and, and it's a beautiful scene, right? But you got to, to get in the water. That, that, that was the command. I, that water was not going to be splitting without them getting inside it first. They stepped onto dry ground, incidentally. So these steps that uh, you got to take, they can be pretty horrifying. They can be scary. I know that um, over the course of my life, I've, I've taken some uh, risks, and I've taken some gambles, and it's, it's, it can be scary. You know, when you're told to do something, and, and, and though you know it is the Lord, it still can be scary. But it's your faith that pulls you out of that. So he will fulfill your promises. He will, he will fulfill what he told will happen in your life, what he said will happen. But you need to step out first. Incidentally, when they were stepping into the Jordan, the Jordan was at a flood stage, so it was, it was brimming over the banks. And... It was brimming over the banks, and it was running very quickly also. So it was a dangerous situation, but they had to go in. There was no other choice. There was no other way to get across. So when the Lord speaks to you, uh, just do it. Just get in the water. And I'm talking about don't just get in the water. You know, the priests were carrying the ark. They had to go slowly and carefully. You know, there's this all kind of protocol involved, and it's, and it's important stuff. If we're told to do something, why don't we just dive in? I mean, head first, just go for it. Just get in the water, head first. So when, he's, uh, when the Lord is attempting to rebuild us, he's expecting us to be obedient. And there is no such thing as partial because then you're disobedient. So obedient, it, it, it either is or it isn't. And there's only two types of men out there, obedient and disobedient. And after all, are we going to argue with our maker? I mean, are we going to argue with the, with, the, with the almighty God that is trying to make us into something that he knows is right for us? Are we going to argue about that? So we'll just let him have his way with us. The other thing that I, I mean, the second point here is maybe, maybe the one that, uh, that is going to be the most important one tonight, I think. I believe God really... Wanted me to emphasize this tonight. Pulling roots is one thing, and you pull roots, and the roots can be strong and big, and it, and, and it can be a real difficult job. But you got to remember that the roots have to come out entirely. You got to pull every root. You got to pull this thing down to the dirt. You can't leave anything behind. You got to get a hold of that thing, and you got to yank it out. A big tree. It's a difficult job. Okay. A big established person, that's a hard job. If you're moving at a young age and you're cruising around from house to house with your parents in the military, it's hard, but it's not hard. Okay, the, the further along you've been and the more you've done and the, 
And the more time you've had in one place, it becomes difficult. But you've got to get every single root out. Okay, so everything's got to be pulled out. So at this point, we're at LCMF. And now the Lord's telling me to get out of my house. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so uh, you, uh, you want me to leave my house? How am I going to, what, what is it? I'm, and, you know, so we're talking and we're, you know, a little bit panicked because, we, you know, I mean, we've heard from the Lord and we, we know that we're going to have to do this. But it's, uh, it's, it's shocking. It's kind of a shock. He wants us to move down here. And so I'm thinking down here is great, but up here is is what we are. This is where we live. It's, you know, it's our part of town. It's a lot of different things. Started looking for a place right away. It didn't take me two weeks to get into the into the market and start looking because I knew that that's, that's what I needed to do. I knew that what was forming in this place was too important not to take that seriously. Amen. So we started looking, and after looking for a while, and looking and looking and looking, and it's getting a little frustrating because we're not finding anything we like, and we're just, you know, what do we do? And we're almost starting to get a little despondent and maybe a little bit angry. And, and the next thing I know, I get a call from this customer. It's a, it's a client that we've had for like 25 years. And she is a 92-year-old woman. And she, I answer the phone, and she says, I understand you've been looking for a place to live down here. So I said, yes, how did you know? Oh, you know, I hear things. I've been in this, I've been in this neighborhood for a long, long time. You know, I talk, I, people, people talk. So I say, well, that, that is really fascinating because I, I actually am. Well, then she says to me, she says, I believe God wants you to have this place. Wow. So now I'm like, well, you know, uh, that's, that's fantastic. And not only do I believe God wants you to have this place, but I want it to stay in the family because you've been like a family to me for the last 25 years. You guys have taken care of me and my cars and my husband before he died, and, and this is all this history. And so, so I'm like, well, you know, this is really good. So we're, all of a sudden, we have gone from sulking to looking up at the heavens because God has just dropped a townhouse in our lap. And it's just, uh, it's just fascinating. So, so before too long, and I'm talking two weeks, uh, this whole thing is done. It's, it's done in two weeks. So this is now, all of a sudden, it's not a dwelling or a house. or It's, it's a home now. It's like a place that, you know, everyone hasn't stayed there. Now. Uh, Sasha was there for a little bit. But to us, it is our home. I mean, it's something that God made happen for us. And it is, it is beautiful. It's, it's, it's not a big place. It's not a fancy place. But, you know, it's our home. And we love it. And we love it. So I wanted to also share with you, uh, let's see. Yeah. I want to share with you in the, uh, in the Midrash, which is a biblical commentary on, on Bible texts, uh, there is a character during the Exodus known as Nashon. Nashon, and uh, this guy, this guy, uh, he was in the tribe of Judah, one of the leaders. During the Exodus, as they are arriving at the Red Sea, Moses is standing there, and this is how the, the commentary goes. Um, people are wailing because they're a little bit freaked out because they, 
they believe they're going to die because there's nowhere to go because of the water. Um, this guy, Nashon, jumps into the Red Sea and starts walking out into the sea. And according to the commentary and tradition, when the water rose to right above his nose, the sea parted. Okay, so when he couldn't breathe anymore, that's when the sea opened. So could we say then that, you know, God might even wait until we're ready for him to help us to help us? Huh? Could we agree on that? And I think a lot in here know exactly what I'm talking about. So, all right. So sometimes it's hard to take that step of faith, but we, we, we all can agree in this place that it has to be done. Amen. All right, it has to be done. And um, we know each other. There's certainly groups that know each other better, in some circles that know each other better. I know the guys in prison and Montrose, they're, they're getting really tight. And so, so my first point of encouragement would be when, when you see a brother struggling to take a step, help him. When you see him struggling, ask him what's wrong. And when he tells you, the Lord has said this to me, what do I do? Help him take that step. If you have to, throw him in the water. You know, just toss him in the water and, and, uh, because, you know, God's not going to let him drown. God is telling him to do this. Right, so, so give him a hand. Give him a hand. All right, so if the Lord told you to do it, and when you take the step into dangerous water, he will see you through it because, after all, he is the one that told you to do it. Okay, so he will see you through it. Can we please take a look at 1 Samuel 15, 2, 2 to 3. So speaking of stepping in, when we are listening to God and we're following, we need to do what he says, but not only do what he says, but we need to complete the task. Okay? We need to do everything that he tells us not to do and not to stop halfway. Okay? So in this scripture, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, and this is 1 Samuel 15, 2-3. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Totally destroy. Say totally. totally. Totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So that is pretty clear and concise, I would say. But I think most of us know what the outcome was. Can we see 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 11? Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away. Say turned away. Turned away. From me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. So this action of Saul not taking care of business the way the Lord told him to do it caused God to grieve. Okay? And ultimately... What happens to Saul is this, the, the Spirit of God departs from him. And this is, uh, it's sad. It's sad because the, uh, what we have to do when God tells us to do it, we have to do it to the end. We have to complete the task. That is very, very important. 
So we can also say that um, Saul wasn't completely devoted. All right, so he was wanting to hold on to the nice things or the practical things, things that they could, that, uh, that they could use, all right? And um, you've got to ask yourself why he wanted to do this. I mean, was it not enough to do what God said and trust him? Is it, is it as if Saul would be lacking anything? I mean, uh, if you think about it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it might because if you're trying to hold on to something, when the Lord is trying to advance you, then how are you going to get there? If you're holding on, if you're looking back, how are you going to make it to the other side of the Jordan? So what are you holding on to? And I know I'm speaking to everybody here, including myself. What are we holding on to tonight? There's things that we got to clean up. Yeah. There's things that we got to clean up. There's roots that got to be pulled up. Because they're getting in the way of how we see what God needs us to do. So we got to pull up some roots and we got to clean up. Amen. What are we turning back to? So here we are. We're getting propelled by the Lord this way. But are we able to keep our focus in the right direction? Or do we keep on turning back saying, I don't like it over there. I like it over there. Like the, like the Israelites who were slaves out in the desert liked it over there because they were comfy. They had the food, they had the nice, they had life. I mean, they, they were able to survive, but they were slaves. And so at the first sight of a problem, they want to go back to that. They were comfortable. They were looking back too much. They were looking back for 40 years. It became a problem for them. They never made it. Do you feel, do you feel like sometimes when the Lord calls you to go somewhere or to do something, and you take a step, but this foot won't go with you. <laughs> this one here is stuck like in concrete, and it won't go, because we only have one foot in the game. We got one foot in, and we got one foot out. I mean, what are we going to do? You know, Jesus said, either get here or get here, because you taste bad, and we'll spit right. you out. That's right. So are we going to do the forward motion and go with God, or are we going to keep on looking back and whining and saying, but that was so nice. That was so nice. I enjoyed that. But that's not where God's calling you. And God knows better what you need than you do. Amen. Is it an old crowd? You got any buddies that you're hanging out with that you just can't get away from? You got guys that are not helping your walk or your testimony at all? You got people like this in your life that you need to get away from? And I'm not saying throw them away. I'm saying the association has to come to a fine line. I'm a follower of Christ, you're not. So we need to talk in those terms and not, hey, buddy, it's different. When, when you're born anew, it is different. It has to be different. Is it an old fellowship? I know it was hard to leave the old fellowship. It was hard. It was hard. It was hard not to look back. But are you drawn somewhere to an old fellowship when, the God, when God has called you to this one. And if God has called you to this one, then this is where you need to be. You don't maybe not even know the reasons for all that, but it's good enough to know, it's good enough just to know that God has called you here. He will 
give you a revelation about everything you need to know as time goes by. And it's a growing process. So don't let these things cloud you. Don't let these obstacles keep you from seeing what the Lord has in store for you because he has mighty things for us. He has some big plans for us. So let's not taint our minds with looking back or trying to figure out which way to go, whether it's this way or that way. Let's pull up those roots and let's throw them away. Amen. Let's pull them up and get, it, get them out of here. Can we please have 1 Chronicles 28, 9 through 10? And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion. Say wholehearted devotion. Wholehearted devotion. With a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. How long is forever? We don't want to be in that. We want to be in the first half of that, not in the second. Okay, we want to be serving with wholehearted devotion as much as we humanly can, as much as this, the, the Spirit allows us to see, and as much as our will will allow us to do. We have to be doing wholehearted service. And there's no question. Do we, if we read this, and, you know, what, one of my... Uh, here at LCMF, we really trust and believe what the Word says. We believe it for exactly what it is. It is the truth. It speaks to us. And we can trust what it says. The double-edged sword. It is so many things in our lives that, that instructs us. And we know how to operate and how to act when we understand it and when it speaks to us. So... Could it be, could it be that trying a situation out and seeing that it may not be exactly suitable for you would cause a man to rationalize the scripture to make it fit his life? Is that possible? Yeah. This is a dangerous game. This is a dangerous game. When we start making rules for ourselves and neglect the truth of the word, it becomes reckless. So let's just listen to what God tells us. Go to the Word and read. Get confirmation as much as we can and move forward. Let's not play with all these different fires that can burn us. I genuinely, honestly wish the best for all of you. In the book of Jeremiah, you can see the word uproot eight times. And it talks about uproot and rebuild all over the place. If you're living in a place where you don't belong, if you're somewhere where the Lord has not told you to go, or if you're somewhere in a place opposite or anywhere outside of what you know from the Lord, then He's going to uproot you. And you can bank on it. 
if you're in the Lord and the Lord has given you an instruction to go and you've gone somewhere else, you will be uprooted. The Word has shown us in the law and the prophets and the writings that we have to be uprooted. This earthly kingdom, it is failing. If not, it is a failure already. If you look around, I mean, listen to the news Eric gave us, you know, both around the world and, and here locally. I mean, look what's happening in Europe. Look what is, I mean, there's 50 different conflicts going on every day that we're alive all over the world. I mean, there's no, there's no peace. We've got a relative peace going on here. But if you travel, you'll see things. I mean, I've been to a lot of war zones. There's so much that is ugly out there. Why not choose to uproot yourself and get into the heavenly kingdom? Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be easier? Why not uproot yourself and then ask God to show you where you need to go? If you don't uproot yourself, you will be uprooted one way or the other. The question is, which way is it going to happen? You're going to uproot yourself and allow God to take you his way? Or is it going to be the day of judgment when the angels uproot you? Let's really search ourselves and let's figure out what we need to do. Um, I think that God's calling is serious business. I don't think it's anything to trifle or play with. And I believe that a genuine soul, genuine, excuse me, <laughs> genuine, <laughs> genuine soul search of each of us here tonight is in order. If there is any reason or any time, it is now because watch what happens. Watch history closely. You're going to see events that are going to start to turn in a very unfavorable and favorable way, not just for the West, but for Christians. You're going to see Islam working its way into places that you would not believe. Two weeks ago, I read an article, 73 thousand Muslims imported into Croatia. Okay, Croatia's a dot on the map about that big. 73,000 Muslims coming in from that side. Okay, Germany, 23,000 more. They already have a bunch. There's all these different things that are going on, and we have to be firm. We got to be tough. We really are going to have to be ready. I'm not saying this because I don't have experience. I know Muslims. I've been to the enclaves, and I know them. And I know that even though they're not religious, they really stand fast to what they believe. So we've got to be ready. And if we're not taking root by the correct entity or the correct thing, then we will fail. That's right. We will fail. Let's uproot ourselves and let's God, let God take care of the issue. Why not do that tonight? Why not uproot whatever it is that's getting in your way? Why not just declare to the Lord right now, I'm opening up myself and I'm taking out 
these and these and these things because they have no part in my life and I want to just trust you and obey you. And you send me wherever you want me to go. Please, could we have Luke 3, 9. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So we can uproot these issues, or the axe can come down, and we end up in the fire. Could you please put up Luke 7.30? Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. So they were not able to uproot their pride. John the Baptist was offering them a different way, but their pride prevented them from uprooting. And so, I don't think it ended too well for them. Uh, it's very clear. It's very clear what we need to do. It, uh, and, and, and the consequences are dire. And I'm saying this because I love you all. Can we please have Jeremiah 12, 14? This is what the Lord says. As for all my wicked neighbors who seize the inheritance I gave my people Israel, I will uproot them from their lands and I will uproot the house of Judah from among them. So at the end of the age, the big day, this uprooting is only going to go two ways. You're going to be uprooted, and you're going to be safe, or you're going to be uprooted by angels and carried away to a place that is not very pleasant. Why not clean up all of these roots that have been left in when the big tree got taken out? And clean everything out in obedience to God, and let's see all the good things that he's going to do in our lives. I really believe that there's so much more. And this church does a lot, and I really appreciate it, and I love it. But somehow, I needed to bring this message because God told me to. Amen. So that's what I have. To finish off, could we please have Philippians 3, 7 to 8. Your old life, is it completely uprooted? The life even before you were saved, before you were born again, is it completely uprooted? Is there anything dangling? Is there anything hanging behind you that you just can't get rid of? Because if there is, it needs to go away. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness Surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. Say surpassing greatness. Surpassing of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. 
So what's behind us is not important. Old movie called The Gumball Rally. Italian guy gets in his Ferrari, and the first thing he does is rip the rear view mirror off and throws it away. His co-driver says, what are you doing? He says, Italian rules of driving, what's behind us is not important. Okay? This is what Paul is talking about. So this stuff of the old man and the stuff of the old life and all these roots that are dangling and you just can't get rid of them, let's deal with that right now and let's do it tonight. So I invite you. Let's make an appeal to God and let's take care of this right now.